Hello and welcome into the latest edition of ESPN FC. Kay Murray, Craig Burley and Ali Moreno in the studio to look back on the Spanish Supercopa final between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Real Madrid are Supercopa champions, racing off to a 2-0 lead early on by the 10th minute in this one. First goal for Vinny Jr. A little bit of help from the Barca defence, Ali. A lot of help. High line, Jules Koundé decides to put himself out of position, which then opens up a passing lane for Bellingham. No pressure on the ball. Vinny Jr. goes around Iñaki Peña, 1-0. And 2-0 soon enough, Vinny, problems with the defence again, Craig. Well, if the first goal was bad, then this is just absolutely crazy. This high line from Barcelona is just awful. Then came a great strike from Robert Lewandowski, but soon after that, Real Madrid were awarded a penalty. Vinny stepped up to take that and complete his hat-trick. Then in the second half, Rodrigo would score a goal of his own with Vinny on the assist for that. And so it finished 4-1 to Real Madrid. We also saw Ronald Araujo sent off for two yellow cards. And Joan Laporta looked on in disgust at what he saw from his team. I wonder if Luis Garcia looks as sad as Joan Laporta just did then <laughs> in the stands. Not quite. He's a little bit happier there. He scored four goals that were pretty much tap-ins and your, and, and your expected goals is only 3.7. How does that work? I'm not quite Sorry. sure. Am not, I throwing a little... Uh, yeah, I'm not quite sure that's the direction the conversation was going. Chris. A little ointment in there. At least you said expected <laughs> goals. But yeah, I suppose it times, <laughs> times G the other night, but I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Luis, come on, talk to me. Luis, Barcelona. Yeah, talk, where talk do you to want us. to start? Barcelona defence <laughs> or where, where do you want to start? I think we could start uh, from Barcelona defence, definitely. All the approach that Xavi did uh, to this game, uh, knowing that uh, when you face against uh, Real Madrid, you cannot leave as much space uh, in behind between your goalkeeper and uh, your line of defence because probably Real Madrid is one of the best teams in the world doing transition going forward, transition in attack, because they got two of the fastest players up front, that is Vinicius Juniors and Rodrigo. Rodrigo, because he knows exactly what he, what he is doing every single time, the diagonals, the movements, when he cuts the pockets, when he runs behind the, the back of the defenders, is one of the best. So you need to pay attention on that. The movement that he does, that you that he's doing to get out of the offside, arriving to the halfway line and get it back in position to not have enough sun is just magnificent to show to the kids how not to get in offside positions. But that's something that uh, I expect that a centre-back from Barcelona knows that if you go to the halfway, there is no offside. So you have to pay attention that they, when a player of Real Madrid is in control of the ball and is looking forward, you cannot make the line because it's in, it's in all favour, it's on all advantage to make the pass without any pressure. And that's something that I think that tonight Barcelona's defence hasn't paid attention at all because we've seen it not only twice, but three and four times. No pressure on the ball, passes out on the back of the line and Vinicius Jr., uh, Bellingham, Rodrigo and even Brahim in the last part. So we can start from there. But definitely, uh, there is a lot of points that Barcelona needs to change uh, for the coming months if they want to at least arrive to the last part of the season with a chance of uh, getting a trophy. The feeling ahead of the game was that there was a lot of pressure on Xavi here, especially with the way that the season's gone, especially with the fact that this was a title up against their biggest rivals, Real Madrid. What does this result mean for him? Trouble. Trouble. Because the way that this competition and this match was sold by Xavi and Barcelona in the press conference and uh, following the matchup against Osasuna is, look, this is where we turn the season around. Let's go back to a year ago and how good we were in that final against Real Madrid. And that's where we got our season going. And that's how we felt better about ourselves and we went on to win the title. So here we go. 
we're going to do the same thing. We're going to be able to show the best version of ourselves. Well, the best version of Barcelona hasn't shown up in a long, long, long time. So when you put everything on a game like this and all the attention is, oh, maybe this is the turnaround for Barcelona and you perform in the manner in which you did today, then everybody involved with Barcelona will be disappointed and everybody who's in a decision-making position for Barcelona is under pressure. Truth of the matter is, if you're Xavi, you put a lot into this game and your team, your team did not perform. Your team was, we look at the score for one and that's one picture. That is a very clear picture between the difference between Real Madrid and Barcelona. The difference between these two clubs is actually bigger than the 4-1 result. Today, Real Madrid could have scored as many goals as they wanted to. Barcelona had no answer, and they haven't had answers defensively over the course of the season. So it's not a surprise that this happens on this stage, because it hasn't been happening at all. Everybody has been scoring against Barcelona. Why is Real Madrid going to be any different? Let's talk about those two opening goals for Real Madrid, racing off to a 2-0 lead. And you've got to ask questions there of Barcelona's defence, Craig. Well, Barcelona were defensively strong last year, right? And it's pretty much the same players, uh, give or take. And they have been poor this year defensively, and that's been a big part of the problem. But this is the poorest I've seen them. Now, when you have a player like Jules Koundé, international player, he's out of possession, gets himself back in possession, now he goes wrong side again, that's just horrendous decision-making. It's just absolutely uh, abysmal. And then when you hold such a high line straight after that for the second goal, now, if you're going to do this, right, if, you, if you've talked to your players about, we're going to play this high line, your goalkeeper at least has to be on the same page, right? He's going to be playing this super high sweeper keeper that he might, just might, be able to come out and clear this. Not suggesting he would have done, He's not, certainly not going to clear it when he's in his own penalty box, right? And uh, Rodrigo's got this amount of space to run into, so it's, I don't know, it's, it's unexplainable why you would hold such a high line like that uh, when there's no pressure on the ball, and it's unexplainable why somebody like Jules Koundé just can't make a good decision defensively. Uh, if they don't put this right, and there is no sign this year that they're going to, they're not going to be seven points off Real Madrid or eight off Girona, whatever it is. They're going to be 18 or 20 by the end of the year. If he even sees the end of the season, got Napoli in the Champions League, defend like that, you'll lose to Napoli over two legs. There are, the, there are other teams in La Liga that will be, and bear in mind Almeria, who are rock bottom, gave Girona a really good bit of a going over today. Yep. Uh, there are other teams in La Liga that will look at Barcelona's defence and go, we're going to get at them, home and away, we're going to get at them. And that is a big problem. I think he saw on his face at the end, Xavi. I, I, I think he's looking at it thinking, I don't know if I've got the answers. Mm. I just don't know if I've got the answers to this Real Madrid side. Let's talk about the Real Madrid side, because Vinny Jr. did get that hat-trick, a first-half hat-trick as well, and he is among a small few who've managed to do so. The last time it was done with Ivan Zamorano back in 1995. It took the same amount of time, uh, 39 minutes as well, and then look at that. You're going way back to find it happening before that. Let's talk about Vinny then, if we can, uh, Luis Garcia, because obviously this is a man who's had a few injuries of late, but look at how deadly he can be for Real Madrid. Yes, of course. Uh, we, we talked about that he arrived uh, maybe two weeks ago, played minutes uh, during two games. 
and he already looked sharp. Um, there were concerns because he's been twice this season he picked small injuries on the muscle, so you don't want to risk him or you don't want to have him for, for a long time away. But today he looked sharp. He, he looked comfortable on the field. He was lying on the left side waiting for the moments. And Barcelona actually put them the perfect scenario. If you are expecting Vinicius Junior to enjoy, it's with the space. Because he can perform and use his speed, his, his, his velocity to, to use and, and get advantage of those positions. And today he was magnificent. Every single time he was on the ball, he was dangerous. Every single time he arrived in the, in, the, in, the, in the perfect moment to the perfect space. And Araujo couldn't handle it. We've seen Araujo struggling today, probably one of the most important moments because it's been a couple of times that we talk Araujo holding him very well, tied him up, and Vinicius Junior haven't done anything. But today, Vinicius knew what he had to do, going inside sometimes, going outside sometimes. So he was a mess for everyone. He was totally a threat every single moment. Those three goals, they are totally well-deserved. He did fantastic. And the end pro that we are asking for Vinicius Junior is arriving. So, yeah. It's a, a top 10 today for, for Vinicius. And the key there for Vinny Jr. is the variety in the choices he made today. It wasn't just himself parked on the left-hand side, 1v1 situation with Araujo and the help coming out of the midfield. No, no. Sometimes he took a central position. Sometimes he went out wide. Sometimes he was in between the defenders. And you could tell between Jules Koundé and Ronald Araujo, they're having all sorts of issues. Now, Jules Koundé himself has had a terrible season, an awful season. And that affects not only him, but it also affects Araujo. In the commentary, you hear uh, Maka saying something along the lines that Araujo, he needs to play right back and he needs to play center back. The reason that's, that's the case, and, and, and while he was, it was a passing comment, the reason he mentions that is because Araujo has to cover not only whatever the situation he has on the outside with Vinny Jr., he also has to cover the space for Jules Koundé because he doesn't know whether Jules Koundé is going to be able to, to take whoever attacking player shows up in that space. And that puts the defense in a real bad situation for Barcelona. What Vini Jr. did today was expose all of that on the inside, on the outside, in between, underneath. And this guy had issues. Vini Jr. was saying, one, two, three. Yeah, that's a hat trick. See you guys later. Take care. You know when he's got that amount of space to run into, Vinicius Jr., he can be incredible. But you know the most important space for him is the space between his ears? Because uh-huh. you remember back to the Monjuic the first classical of the season, which, by the way, Barcelona played really well for 75 minutes. He was horrendous. Oh, he was, he, he was moaned and he groaned. He, he wanted to have a whistle and referee the game and everything was a foul and he would stop and he let people run off him. That's sort of bad Vinicius. When he's in the right frame of mind, when he's clear and he's concentrating on his actual game, he's almost unstoppable. And when he's got his mate Rodrigo, who's looking a lot more confident, working with him, and then Bellingham coming from behind, that's a huge threat. But it's a lot of it's between his ears. And when he's got that head on, Vinicius Junior, he's arguably the most, one of the most influential uh, front men in world football. Well, Real Madrid have just taken the Supercopa off Barcelona. They are hoping to take La Liga's title off them come the end of the season as well. And when you take a look at the title odds, Real Madrid are 1-5 on their big favourites over Barcelona to do so. Would you even bet against them at this stage, Luis Garcia, with what we've been seeing from them? No, of course not. I wouldn't bet uh, right now the, the Real Madrid is not going to get the trophy. I'm, I'm not saying Girona because uh, we are talking about 
uh, today's game, but definitely it's going to be very difficult to, for Barcelona to, to get back to, to their best, to get back to their good results, to get back to the confidence, to get back to what Barcelona is, that philosophy of being dominant, creating chances and scoring goals. So it's very difficult to go against Real Madrid right now. But not because of today. It's because the way they've been playing the whole season with that confidence. Even in the, in the games that they were not dazzling or playing well, uh, they look solid. They wonder, They get the results. They, you, look, you saw that even with a lot of injuries, they managed to continue winning, to continue being the best team. And right now, with that confidence that they have, they are unstoppable. They can change whatever the shape they want to play with Bellingham into the middle, with Bellingham on their left side, with Cross, with Valverde, with uh, Modric in the second half. It doesn't matter what they do because right now the team is just full of confidence, full flow, and uh, they are in a cruise boat. So very difficult to stop Real Madrid. And yeah, they look favorites for me to, to win La Liga. But that's a really good... When you look at that midfield, that's a really good balance. Mm. You look at Chumeni, who's back fit again and big and strong. Make tackles. You've got Valverde who is going to run all day. Tony Cruz, what do I need to say about him? Pass the ball for fun. And then Jude Bellingham. So, I mean, that for me has just got a really good... You know, when we've talked before with Modric and Cruz on the side, two great footballers, but you lose a little bit of that dynamism in there. Tony Cruz has got a little bit of uh, freedom. Doesn't have to work quite as hard because those others will do some work for him. And I think... Going forward, that looks like it's going to be uh, a really good midfield for Real Madrid. The best example of that is the fourth goal today. It starts with a combination between Dani Carvajal and Valverde, just by Valverde running, utilizing that athleticism, utilizing those legs, and runs past Christensen, now gets his head up. Now everything is on balance for Barcelona, and then he's able to make choices in the final third. That running out of the midfield hasn't been happening from Real Madrid in years past because the athleticism wasn't quite there. But Valverde can give you that. The fact that he can run and he can stretch the field. And now you have options. Now you have options from Vini coming from the outside, Bellingham coming from behind, Rodrigo also underneath. It all starts in opening up Barcelona in a moment of transition because of a strong run by Fede Valverde. That's the athleticism that I think Craig is talking about, that he can run forever, and you can get that from Valverde, you can get that from Bellingham. Two of many can run in and around Tony Cruz to protect Tony Cruz, and then Tony Cruz is the one that is going to distribute the passing. That balance for Real Madrid is what makes this team dangerous, not only, obviously, in La Liga, but certainly in Europe as well. Bellingham was a little quieter today, wasn't he? Mm. Well, he's done, it. he's done his part already so far. Is he all right? Yeah, that's yeah. It. I think he's got uh, enough credit in the bank right over now. A year. <laughs> over a year. Uh, we'll keep our eye on it. Obviously, we always will. All the Spanish football here on ESPN. And more of it coming in terms of Copa del Rey action. Unionistas against Barcelona Thursday, 1.30 Eastern ESPN Plus. You can catch that game. And it's Atleti against Real Madrid again. Thursday, 3 p.m. Eastern, ESPN+. Plus. Let's hope that it is as fun as the Supercopa semi-final was between the two of them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work, use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash FC. Just go to Indeed.com slash FC right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on the podcast. Indeed.com slash FC. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Did you know less than 10% of Americans own an e-bike? Here's why that should change. Studies show e-bike owners actually end up exercising more, plus getting outside more. If you're looking for a balanced lifestyle and everyday adventures, you need to check out Electric e-bikes. They are the number one selling e-bike brand in America. Their bikes are typically foldable, pre-assembled and have serious range up to 150 miles on some models. Check them out today at electricebikes.com and add some more adventure to your week. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. Spurs twice came from behind to earn a 2-2 draw with United at Old Trafford. United came flying out of the traps and were ahead after three minutes thanks to Rasmus Hoyland. But soon after, Richarlison headed in from a corner to level it out. Marcus Rashford restored United's lead before the half. But within a minute of the second half starting, Rodrigo Bentenker had Spurs on level terms again. Scott McTominay almost nicked it at the death but headed over. And the point lifts United up to seventh, while Spurs missed the chance to move into the top four, but are level on points with Arsenal above them. 2-2 from Craig today. said it doesn't tell the story, Don. It doesn't. I thought Spurs were magnificent. Um, I've seen this movie before with Man United, K, when they start well and they start fast. They get the early goal and you think, right, they're going to kick on. But there's a severe lack of confidence between the Man United players. And then Spurs, I thought, were magnificent. They got it back to 1-1. And then United took the lead 2-1. Spurs get it back to 2-2. And then it was all Spurs in the second half. They had more shots. The XG was higher. They had more shots on goal. They dominated possession. I think it was close to 65. I thought as the away side goes, without Papsar, without Basuma, without Son, Kulazewski, Madison, I thought they were absolutely brilliant. It was a good game for 45, but then Spurs absolutely took over in the second half. And I think they'll come away from Old Trafford Spurs thinking, we could have won that and we should have won that. Yeah, I mean, they played really well, didn't they, Don Tottenham? And uh, United were feeding on scraps, were they not? I mean, the two goals were their only two efforts on target. I mean, what what is... So Jim Ratcliffe was at the game, his first game he's attended since yeah. he had since he's put this investment in. He was sat next to Sir Alex Ferguson. Apparently, the talks with Eric Ten Hag have gone quite well. But what is Eric mm. Ten Hag selling? Because Jim Ratcliffe had to have watched this game and they were totally outplayed. When you look at that team there, Craig, I mean, with, with no disrespect whatsoever, it's an average team. I mean, I thought their three best players today was Rashford, Hoyland and Garnacho. That's where probably you can try and... If you've got any, got any optimism whatsoever, you can look to those three and go, you know, they're, they're dynamic, they're goal scorers. Not Obviously not this season, but potential in them. But the rest of them, it's a really average team. I mean, I watched Man City versus Newcastle yesterday and I've seen a top-class game of football. And I had Newcastle as eight players would walk into Man United's team. So Ralph Ranjik talked when he was at Man United about the, the, the open-heart surgery. It wasn't keyhole, it was open-heart surgery. That was his words. Uh, he's been gone a couple of years. Ten Hag's now come in. And you just, I, I, it's just hot. It's a hard watch. It's a hard sell. You know, he's, I think he's a manager at the moment, Craig. I don't know if you agree, and Ali. I, I think he's a manager at the minute where I'm watching. And especially after games, he's predictable. You know, he comes out and says, well, we could have won the game today. Well, not really. You had a chance at the end of the game. But, you know, you couldn't really have won the game because Spurs were dominant. 
And I think he's a manager now that's fighting for his job. So he knows Sir Jim Ratcliffe's come in and he's going to take care of the football side. There's an awful lot of investment is going to be put into the club. They need, they need a, a sporting director. Uh, they need so many places filled before they even start to look at the players on the pitch because the players on the pitch at the moment are light years away from Man City. I mean, not that it's a surprise. I mean, 2-2, not a disaster, clearly, mm-hmm. for, for United. I think the frustration for them is they were leading twice. But if the truth be told, it was a bit of a lesson on the field in terms of shape, patterns of play, passing, chances created, confidence. I mean, you're at home and you're feeding on scraps still. I mean, both sides, and we had a look at this beforehand, United have got players out, right? But Tottenham have almost got double the amount of players missing with injury and absentees. Plus, Postacoglu said they had an illness in the camp this week. And you go up there, you completely outpass them, you outplay them. And as I say, yes, McTominay could have stolen it at the end, but the only two efforts United had on target were the two goals. They had nothing else to give. Now, Tottenham, for their part, for all their good play, they weren't exactly brilliant in the final third. If they were, this game would have been home and hosed. So they're not perfect, but it's just the way, and, I, and again, I go back to it. I, I, I shouldn't be surprised, but the way they're getting dominated at home in particular is it, just a worry. And I don't know how he sells that to Sir Jim Ratcliffe. Oh, that way, we're on the... We're on the way up. Did you not see? We scored a couple of goals. When, when you really, when you look at the big picture, you were completely outplayed. Yeah, and, and that, I think, is the tricky part. Because if I were Eric Ten Hag at this point, given the average personnel that he has available, according to Don, look, embrace the fact that you're a counterattacking team then. That, that's what you're going to be, so be it. But that's when the history and uh, what we consider to be the expectations of Manchester United really conflict with that. A counter-attacking team, Manchester United, at home, heavily outplay, and essentially you're just hoping that the ball gets played over the top and Marcus Rashford or, or Alejandro Garnacho can do something in the counter-attack. If that's who you are, then embrace it. But that, again, is difficult to sell to a essentially a new owner that's come in, put money and invested money into the club, and you're kind of saying, well, you know, we're mighty Manchester United, but not so mighty right now, so have some patience. That, I think, is a, it's a message that I think contradicts itself, because if you're Ten Hag, given the players that you have, it's okay to embrace being a counter-attacking team, but don't sell us that you're a team that is actually going to outplay others, because you're not good enough to do that. I mean, what, there's two teams in the park, and what it, it, it was... It's abundantly obvious that one team has been, it's had, it's been coached to death, Tottenham. You can tell. He has coached that high line, playing out from the back, full backs, everything. And the other is just, as Ali said, is a ball over the top on the counter, you know, for Marcus Rashford Pace, who's looking, I have to say, is looking a lot better, but it was a very low bar. And so it's difficult going forward unless. I was following one of the journalists today in England and said, how, did, how, does, how does Ten Hag go into your room and say, I need this, I need this, I need this, and I need that, and how, how does he sell it? And the simple answer is the only way he can sell it is by playing better. And they haven't shown anything this season that suggests they're going to play better. Just going to the Spurs point, though, because obviously you were saying they were the better side today, Don, and you can see where they are in the table right now. Craig mentioned that list, especially when you did see it side by side. It was like double the amount of players missing. 
What of them today for you? Best two players on the pitch was uh, Ben Tanker um, and Hoibien in the middle of the park. I think they dominated. I thought Ben Tanker showed his quality, but you know when you looked at the work that Hoibier had done, he covered every blade. He was all over the place. Timo Werner was quite lively on the left-hand side. Brennan Johnson didn't really have the greatest of game. His final ball was missing, but Richarlison's in form. He's got, I think, six and six, and his confidence is coming back, and he's leading the line. As we said before, you know, you look at Tottenham now with Arsenal breathing down the next behind them. Tottenham are fighting for top four. There's a good chance they might make it. There's some big horses trying to get there. Um, five teams, I think, fighting for the top four. But as the boys said before, I mentioned Papsar, I mentioned Basuma, I mentioned Kulazewski, I mentioned Madison, I mentioned Son. All these players weren't missing today. You know, these are like really important players. Now, Man United can say, well, hang on, we're missing players as well. But the majority of your players are defensive players or midfield players, not really game changers, where that is not Tottenham's strongest 11 by any stretch. So for them to go away and play the way they did and control the game at Old Trafford, I thought was really impressive. The only slight negative, and this is not a criticism, it's just an observation on how I saw the game unfolding, was when Tottenham were behind, uh, they, they obviously went behind 1-0, they were magnificent to get it back to 1-1. Then I was thinking, right, Man United are there to be beat. Go and, go and attack them. And they really slowed the play down Tottenham, whether it was a measured thing or whether it was just a control thing away from home. I was really expecting them to go at Man United and go and get the next goal in the game. And then the dynamic of the game was Man United took the lead 2-1. Tottenham were brilliant to get it back to 2-2. And then Tottenham sort of sat off again and went, oh, OK, we'll just control the game again. Man United were there to be beat. So I think that's where, uh, I think that's where Ange Postacoglu will come away from the game secretly and probably think, if only we had that belief. If only we could have done a little bit more and been a little bit braver, they could have won the game today. Heuberg and Skip don't get in the side, do they? I mean, I get what Don's saying with Heuberg, but I, sometimes his passing leaves a lot to be desired. Mm. You know, and we've even seen it again. Good today, though. Nah, sometimes. <laughs> other times, give. I mean, he, other, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't, some of his passing today was a little sloppy, but uh, I think Van de Ven and Romero are huge for them. Mm. Getting Van de Ven back with his pace in particular. Man, he looked like the tin man at the end, didn't he? You know, cramp, couldn't move. <laughs> He's been out for so long. Well, at least you've got centre-backs in the centre-back position. But I think when he went down on the edge yeah. of the box, Ange Postacoglu, must have, his heart must have been in his mouth thinking, oh, is a hamstring gone again? Because he had a bad one, but it, you could see him mouth and it was cramp. Those two are huge, and that allows the full-backs to go back in the full-back position rather than playing the full-backs uh, as he was, Ben Davis, Emerson Royale, as, as centre-halves. One of the downsides I saw in the first half was Pedro Porro's great, but his positioning when they lose the ball allowed Marcus Rashford and United to scoop that ball in behind where Pedro Porro was attacking. Because they play such an attacking game. And that's something that I think teams will look to exploit. When those fullbacks push on, they win it back quickly, they'll scoop that ball in behind. All right, so that's how it stands between those two sides, 2-2. Two, two. Did you guys mention, because obviously I didn't have sound for a bit, about what oh. Hoyland said? Oh, sorry, oh, I thought oh. we were going to mention Don. Oh, no, no, no. You mean Rasmus Hoyland, who said, uh, yeah, we are disappointed because I think we were the better team. Because United were the better team. Yeah, well, Rasmus, what can I tell you? You've been talking to Ten Hag way too much. You've been hanging out with Ten Hag way, way too much. I understand. So I, I suppose if you just look at the fact that McTominay has a late chance and late opportunity to win it, but that really, I think, is ignoring the whole balance of the game because over the balance of the game, if you're Manchester United, you're fortunate to get a point out of this match. Right. 
we can't go on the show any longer. You know what I'm going to say? I'm not an eyebrow specialist. <laughs> but something's awry here. <laughs> not me. No, possibly. No, 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 yours are okay. Uh, Don. <laughs> Don, what's going on? Come on. Your eyebrows look very With light what? tonight. Something's light. Your... I've got bright light. I mean, I have been on holiday. I've had a little weekend. Have you, put your, have you put your face in a frying pan? <laughs> something's have, happened, actually, basically. Your up. eyebrows have... <laughs> Do you know the last day of the holiday, it was oh. boiling hot and I put no sunscreen on whatsoever. Uh, there we go. <laughs> I knew there was something. Schoolboy error. I think that may, I thought maybe the missus had shaved them off when he uh, fell asleep on. in the sun. Hey. Don't worry, nobody can see it. That's right. <laughs> hey, you, ha you had me back there for a second though, Craig. I must admit, you had me. Hey, I tell you, I tell you what. Right he, under the bus. Maybe you put sunscreen on the eyebrows. Because <laughs> every on oh, your body, <laughs> that's what I it looks did. like. I on the eyebrows, everything else is red. What he needs I did for six days. What he needs is Rasmus Hoyland to come in and go. They're the best eyebrows oh, the I've best ever seen. Eyebrows I've seen. I thought they were the best eyebrows of this whole panel tonight. All right, all right, all right. Uh, John is on. So I was, a, I was a little worried there when I brought that up. <laughs> sorry, sorry to digress from a soccer show. I was a little worried when I brought it up. I thought, I hope nothing's wrong with Don. I know, me too. Oh, I'm, I'm in, but I thought I'm, I'm in. But I let you go. But I was it. already in. I was off the top diving boards. I thought, I, I thought he can take the blame. He anyway, it off. Don is on. Obviously, we saw Everton take on Villa today. It finished nil-nil at Goodison Park. You can see that they are in 17th as it stands right now. What to make of this game today, then, Don, for Everton? Uh, it, to be honest, Kay, it wasn't a classic. Um, I fancy Everton to try and get something out of the game, being at Goodison. But Villa are a good side. They're brilliant at home. Um, it was one of them where. You get to the hour mark and you think if you're Everton, you definitely take a point because you don't want to lose. You're trying to just inch away from the likes of Luton and a, and a few teams below. So I, I think for Everton, I think you move on. I think Villa and Unai Emery will be a little bit disappointed. They could have won the game with a really tight VAR call. Um, but I think it's one of them. Villa will take the point. Everton will take the point. You move on. It wasn't a classic. How long did that VAR check take? You see it? Three and a half, four minutes? Absolutely ridiculous. But, you know, from it... From it from uh, Everton's perspective, when they get big chances and Calvert-Lewin was through one-on-one -on -one, uh, in the first half, I think it was the first half, I can't remember, it's that long ago, uh, <laughs> he never got the feeling he was going to score. Cause he when balls are getting delivered in the box and Calvert-Lewin's attacking it, you're thinking, got a chance. He's got a chance here. Because he doesn't have to think about it, it's bread and butter for him, he's very strong in the air. When he's going through one-on-one -on -one like he did and he had a lot of time... And I suppose Emi Martinez, he's a big old chap, isn't he? And we've seen him in the World Cup making it difficult for players. But he just didn't look convincing. And, you know, they're going to have to find the goals from somewhere. They're, because they're, they're generally not a side when they play the bigger boys that create a lot of chances because they don't have a lot of possession. And somebody's, he's tried a couple of different players up there recently. Nobody's really worked for them. So I wonder if that's a position between now and end of January where they might try and bring somebody in on loan or whatever it is to... Uh, to, to try and fill that void. One of the things over them, they've got another, apparently Everton, no, more, no, no good news again, they've got another Premier League thing coming their way tomorrow, along with Nottingham Forest. Oh, yes. Uh -oh. So I don't know what that's going to bring, uh -oh. but it's, br it's not bringing any good news. So uh -oh. it's not good on the field at the moment, and once again tomorrow... It's not going to be good off it. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be more talk about that tomorrow and Gab and Jules will definitely be talking about it on their podcast too. Yeah, we'll not be talking about it. We'll be, but uh, well, Gab will go into yeah, detail. He'll you know, bring it up. These <laughs> guys will definitely be answering your questions on the latest edition of Extra Time. Though. Go and check it out over on our YouTube channel.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Uh, here is the Bundesliga table right now. What a late win and a magnificent win it could end up being for Bayer Leverkusen late on in their game away to Augsburg. Look at the time on the clock. Ezekiel Palacios had a big say in this. Noxor had a chance to clear the danger. They do not. They're messing around with the ball. Top of the 18-yard box. Eventually, the ball gets sung to the left-hand side. Service put into Ezequiel Palacios, who does well with the first touch. Brings the ball down. It's a cleanly 1-0 big three points. Massive three points. You see Xabi Alonso jump off the ground as that one went in. Bayern had won their game against Hoffenheim on Friday. It wasn't the most convincing 3-0 wins, but it did put the pressure on Bayer Leverkusen. But you get the sense that that's going to be picked up later on in the season. That massive win for Leverkusen, LA. Uh, absolutely. And Granit Xhaka talking to Archer and Todd after the game, he mentioned it himself. So, you know, this, this matches, winning like this, dramatic wins, Sometimes it's more important and more significant than winning 3-0, 4-0. You cannot take those wins for granted. This one's you remember. And, and it's just important for Bayer Leverkusen to know that they're good enough to grind. Look, things are not going your way. Momentum is not with you. You're, cha- you're missing chances. Oh, my goodness, it's not one of our days. And yet you find the three points. And in the end, that's what truly matters in order to maintain that pressure on Bayern Munich and force Bayern Munich to be perfect themselves. And they're missing Boniface Boniface. for a couple of months. Until April. So he's gone on Africa Cup of Nations duty. got injured with Nigeria. And, uh, yeah, now he's injured. So April 2024 until you get him back too. But then, obviously, Bayern are watching this and probably thinking, oh, heck, we really do have a battle on this season, as if they didn't know already. I think they knew. Yeah. (laughs) I think when a team goes into the winter break, having not lost, uh, was it one draw? They, they haven't lost a single game. Yeah, they haven't lost. There's a few draws in there, yeah. Two draws. There's three yeah. draws in there, I think. We've yeah. seen four in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> One draw. That's it, in all competitions. All competitions. This is in all competitions. Yeah, but the fact is, yeah, not a single loss in all competitions. No. And I th- so I think that tells the story, even though they're going to lo- they've lost Boniface. Patrick Schick's fit again, big, big strong boy, uh, good player. Uh, so they've got alternatives. But uh, I don't think there's any doubt they're going to go away. But as the question is, when it gets to the nitty-gritty, are they going to do a Dortmund mm. and fold like a cheap suit? <laughs> well, so far they haven't shown that. Is that saying over here, locker. fold like a cheap yeah, suit? I, I think so. <laughs> I got that. <laughs> uh, lots of Bundesliga action still to come this season, and we are here for it on Friday. It all gets underway again with Mainz against Union Berlin. Leipzig against Leverkusen is the feature game on Saturday, and then all eyes will be on if Bayern Munich can respond to whatever happens before when they take on Werder Bremen, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, uh, Bundesliga on ESPN+. Put the researchers to work today. We've just seen the final of the Spanish Supercopa, so we decided that we wanted to see how many trophies these two sides had won, because in the series, it's so close in everything, in goals, in wins. We even pulled up defunct competitions. Now it is 101. Like the Latin Cup. For Real Madrid. <laughs> like the Latin Cup at 99. 
for Barcelona. In terms of El Clasico history, since 1902, 256 meetings. It goes in the favour of Real Madrid right now with 104 to 100 wins. Let's hear, though, after Barcelona's latest loss, what Xavi, their manager, has had to say. All we can do right now is accept the criticism and apologise to the fans. We didn't show up as a team playing in a final, much less against Real Madrid. I'm the most responsible. All I can do is accept the criticism and keep working. There's nothing else we can do. It's a hard defeat, but we've responded many times from tough moments, and I'm still convinced that we'll return to compete at the highest level. Que volveremos a competir de la mejor manera posible. So you just saw what he had to say there. How do they salvage the season from here? What is salvaging the season for Barcelona? I, I don't think, and Luis and I have had this conversation time and time again, I don't think that Barcelona are in the title race in La Liga because you continue to see these defensive mistakes and you continue to see a team that is struggling for, with confidence. And I don't think... A result like today and a performance like today will give you any sort of confidence. And so that in itself is a big question for Xavi. What is a success for us? Do we really think of Barcelona as a threat in Champions League? I don't think so. It, it, it really is difficult to find sort of that silver lining uh, or to walk into Craig's positivity corner and, uh, and, and feel like, you know, like, like there is something to look forward to if you're Barcelona. What you have to make sure, obviously, you finish in the top four. That's the standard right now. You must make sure you finish in the top four. You must make sure that you advance as deep as you can because monetarily makes a whole lot of sense and it helps the team and the club advance as deep as you possibly can in Champions League. And then after that, everything is a bonus. Winning La Liga, I don't think is in play for this team. Could win the Copa del Rey. Well, he could have come out in some sort of Eric Ten Hag-esque mm. press conference and said, well, you know, if we'd have defended better, we wouldn't have lost the goals, and if we'd scored that one, it might have been... A, and all that." But he's came out and he said, no, not good enough. We have to accept the criticism. I have to accept mm. the criticism, and, and we have to take it on the chin and, and improve. But where I'm sitting is, what's going to be acceptable at the end of the season for Laporta? And for him to save his job. Is it top four? Is it a deep run in the Champions League? Is it Copa del What is it? Because at the moment, it's not performance. So if there's not performance, there has to be results and something tangible. And at the moment, there is not. There is just not. There is no performance and the results are iffy. Not a good combination. Well, we will see the response that we get from Barcelona when they are next in action in the Copa del Rey against Unionistas in Salamanca, Thursday, 1.30pm Eastern. You can catch that. That's not a foregone conclusion, by the way. Oh. They struggle against Barbastro. Exactly. So I we'll hate for Barcelona. We'll I'm just saying. I think, it's, I think it's just a reality check, right, at the moment. Yeah. Atleti against Real Madrid also coming up in the Copa del Rey. You can catch that game on Thursday. Now, this is the one I've been looking forward to. And this is all we've got time for on today's show, oh, yes. the main show, because we will be back to answer your questions. Yeah, but we're not going to be long, though. Won't be long. Because he wants to watch the Cowboys. Oh, <laughs> and I want to... Well, I haven't worked out what I want to do yet. But something else. Something, well. something different. Yeah, stick around. Extra time coming up. Thanks for being with us on ESPN FC. 
Welcome into the latest edition of Extra Time. We've got Craig Burley and Ali Moreno. We've got, we got, we got the eyebrow kid. <laughs> the eyebrow kid of John Hutchison. <laughs> the eyebrow, there he is, look. <laughs> Going for the light brow look. I'm surprised you never put the cucumbers in the eyes, you know, and then he wakes up <laughs> in the sunbed and then the two big white marks just here. Where, where did Not you go on, you. on your vacation? Where did you go, Don? Uh, went on a winter break to Dubai. Oh, 28 nice. degrees. It was beautiful. And I sun creamed every single day apart from the last day and got a little bit burnt. Oh no. The whole family there, Don? Uh, sort of. We took the twins, who are seven, but we left the little one behind because it was just a bit too much for him. Flight times, etc. It was amazing. It was lovely. All right. We used to go there, yeah. Still popular. I mean, but nobody's interested. <laughs> no, no, but it's still quite popular, isn't it, Don? <laughs> Yes, it is. Too far for us now, 15 hours. Still quite popular. <laughs> it had like a watch day in the 70s. What? As if it was like, oh, everyone used to go there in the 70s. Oh, no, but we, it became quite popular for us. Uh, Footballers. UK footballers. <laughs> Just from the UK, it was a seven hour. Six I've got 14 hours. on Wednesday. I've got a 14 hour on Wednesday going to Hong Kong. Oh, but you're getting paid for it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a Liverpool Man United Vets game. It's a bit of charity involved. i tell you what, you, you, you ex-Liverpool players don't have to play in a lot of these Vets games. Well, we do have it for charity, Craig. You and uh, McManaman, he's another one. And but the Is worst he going? One, the worst one, I don't know. Macker got the opening of a fridge. Yeah, he'll about. be there. I know who you Lewis, can... You know who I'm going to say? <laughs> Lewis Garcia. Mm. That man will get on a, any plane, anytime, anywhere. As long as he's getting paid. He's done this show from more hotel rooms than Jan Agafiat often, that's saying something. Yeah, but Jan, Jan, slum, Jan slums it. I mean, he might as well go in some bog he's somewhere. He's in some big seven stars. Might as well go on a toilet, time. a public toilet, and do our show from in there. He slums it. Louis Garcia, you go Columbia. Where was he the other week? Oh, somewhere far away. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. remember. I, I don't want to keep up, okay? Somewhere far away. <laughs> somewhere where I didn't expect you know, to say Do you know it's very popular? Somewhere far away. <laughs> Dubai, funnily enough. Yes, yes. Especially yeah. with footballers. Apparently the Dubai police are looking for a man with uh, half his eyebrows shaved off. <laughs> some, sort of, some sort of local incident. We got him! Here we go. For we the, got him. For the boys. All oh, right, I'm just... <laughs> For the boys, the NFL playoffs are in full swing. Do any of you follow American football? If so, do any of you have a favorite team to watch? Uh, absolutely. Uh, yes, I follow American football. And I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, so this is actually a stressful time for me because the game is going on right now. Right now. Isn't every season a stressful time for you? Well, it's, it's actually right around now when it gets stressful and on the way to disappointing. Right? Because it's a team and an organization that fills you with hope and you think this is the year, and then reality hits, and it's usually not good. You've been keeping your eye on the odd not, I watch playoffs. The, I watch the playoffs when I can, or the odd Monday night game. That's the corporate line. <laughs> uh, I've got that out of the way. Uh, yeah, but I don't really affiliate with a team. I, I, I just I follow like quarterbacks, and I get. You're not a Jets fan. I watched the first game in the when Rodgers got injured, I was watching it because I was intrigued by this Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets, what will it bring? But why would it be a Jets fan? Because he's a Jets fan, you do the opposite of what he does. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but Americans are bonkers, I don't mean as a generalisation. Did you see the game in Can? Well, it was pointed out to me, it's yeah. in Missouri. Yes. I don't care. Did you see how 
bonkers. Yeah. Got to watch that last night. Never mind playing in it. The players have got short sleeves. Our producer was actually born there. Andy Reid. What? Our producer was actually born there. He was born? Yeah, he was born there, I'm told. He's just telling me now. That explains it. <laughs> yeah. Andy Reid's tash. Yes, yes. Froze. Yes. <laughs> with, with snot and all sorts of different things going on. I mean, if you tipped him up, it was like a fridge freezer would have come out of there. Speaking of which, they showed the bottles being taken out of the fridge. Well, I, I mean, freezing I mean if, you go to, if, you, if you're in that fair play, if you're going to watch that and support your team, uh, and, and could it be any worse that you're... It's the dolphins that have to go there. <laughs> it doesn't get any hotter. Well, it does. Coming from that to that. Yep. Oh. Yep. And Taylor Swift was at the game. I yeah, know they were all dancing in the warmth of the box. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. But even there, there was just condensation all up the, the windows, wasn't there? Yes, it was very cold. And that's coming, by the way, from a Scotsman as well. Oh, I'm, 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 there's no way I'm going to that. All right, for Craig, will Xavi last a season at Barcelona, given how he's shown that he can't get the group running? I don't think he will be around at the end of the season. I mean, the one thing it could save him, and Ali was saying this earlier to me, is the finances, potentially. But Le Jean Laporte is, he's not, he's not going to suffer fools, is he? Let's be honest, he'll find a way. If they really struggle to get in the top four and just scramble in there, uh, which could happen, if they get beating the Champions League early by Napoli and if they're like a, if the gap between them and Real Madrid is so big it's embarrassing and Girona beat them as well which could happen how does he how does he survive I, I don't know and, and to that point about Girona let's not forget Girona are neighbours to Barcelona mm -hmm. and if if you're a Girona fan I, I assume that a lot of your life you were a Barcelona fan that now your team happens to be good and so you're like all right well yeah Girona but Barcelona is the big brother he is Barcelona is what Girona would love to be and Girona goes into Barcelona and beats Barcelona so when we talk about embarrassing moments for Barcelona and Xavi that's at the top of the list yes losing to Real Madrid yeah that can be embarrassing but losing to Girona or being second to Girona in the region in Catalonia that, I tell you, that is embarrassing as well. It cannot be. Next question. Or I could look at Michel and say, eh? Or Girona and so Who was it? it the bold predictions for the year. Who was it? I can't remember. Somebody said Michel to be... wasn't me. Michel to be managing Barcelona next season. Uh, but when you look at that Girona team, you say, oh, that's well coached. I know they didn't play very well today. Uh, but over the piece of the season, oh, that's well coached. You know, Eric Garcia, not wanted at Barcelona. Uh, Daily blend, all these guys, and yet playing this great football. Yeah, they are. Um, can this Real Madrid beat Manchester City this season, Ale? I, I think at the best version of Manchester City, no. But if if there was a team that I think can match some of the qualities that Manchester City has through the midfield, is Real Madrid, and favorably when you consider the runs that you're going to get out of the midfield from Manchester, uh, from Real Madrid, I should say. The issue for me and the concern for me, if I'm Real Madrid, is that Manchester City has, has weapons everywhere. And it's a team that can really expose some of the frailties that Real Madrid does have defensively. Let's not forget that Real Madrid 
are playing with a backup goalkeeper and essentially backup center back pairing. This wouldn't would not have been the ideal setup or ideal center back pairing for Carlo Ancelotti the season began. So I would argue that this is as good a coaching job as Carlo Ancelotti has done with Real Madrid so far in finding a way to get this team to a point to where they can get results consistently. But when it comes to matching up against Manchester City, a lot of things got to go the way of Real Madrid in order for them to have a true opportunity. Don, do Manchester City have a good chance of repeating a treble this season or is it out of the question? It's never out of the question with MK. They're too good, as Ali said. I mean, you know, they, they control games. They've got one of the most underrated midfield players in Rodri and world football. I think he makes the game at times look very easy. They've got Haaland to come back. De Bruyne showed his quality. That was the only reason Newcastle lost, because De Bruyne come on and got a goal and a brilliant assist. Um, no, nah, they're, they're, they're too good. They're well coached. There's a structure. There's a plan. You see players going into positions. They, they're clever. They problem solve. They've, We've got players who have got real intelligence about them, a high football IQ. Um, I'd never rule City out of doing another treble. It'd be difficult. No one's ever done it before. Um, so I don't think they will, but I wouldn't write them off. Tell you what, they didn't have to knock it about well yesterday, didn't they? Mm. Well, I heard Stevie talking about it in the show uh, last night, but man, they played some great stuff. Yeah, they give you some chances, and, and Newcastle scored two great goals, but every, you know, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden. Uh, Oscar Bob, Julian Alvarez, all these. But one guy, whenever I watch them, mm. Rodri, love him. Mm. And then Kevin De Bruyne back and doing that. Yeah, but who's he? <laughs> <laughs> I know, who's that? Rodri, Who I, 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 you know, I, if there's a, I don't know, is there a better guy in world football at the moment in that position that just links everything together? He's uh, just a fantastic footballer, isn't he? Great. And all of this is happening without Haaland on the field. Yeah. So, scary. Oh, we don't need to make Don relive it. To everyone, if Sir Jim decides to sell almost all players in this current Manchester United team and plans what? a complete rebuild, which three players would you keep and not sell? Not a supermarket. Let's just say... <laughs> 99 cents. <laughs> $1.57. <laughs> who, who should stay in that Manchester United team? What, if you, if, in a perfect scenario? Yeah. <laughs> the goal is just about surviving, potentially. Because you've got to think you can maybe bring that Ajax into Milan form. Uh, I suppose you keep Rasmus Hoyland because he's a youngster. I'll tell you who is going. Well, Sancho's gone, loan. Anthony's gone. The youngsters are staying. Mine are not going. Magoo, as Stevie calls him. <laughs> McNew. <laughs> McNew. Uh, Johnny Evans, Raphael Vran, Anthony Martial. Mm. Help me out. Who helps? He go. can all go. I can only name, so you can name two, two who can stay for sure. Two who can and stay. And then some of the youngsters. Uh, oh, no. uh, can oh, I knew Martinez? Onana, and even though it annoys me sometimes, Onana. And Bruno Fernandes. Okay. And a couple of youngsters. Did you have a thought on that, Don? I would. I mean, if it's fantasy football and you're buying better players to replace the current players, there's not many that stay on. There's not. There's not. If, if you've got two or three that you have to keep, I'd keep Lissandra Martinez, I'd keep Garnacho, uh, and I'd keep Hoyland. I think the rest of them, I said before, I said before when I was watching the United game and I was watching Newcastle yesterday, 
I was thinking about how many Newcastle players got into the Man United team, and I mean walk into that team, and I had eight. I had eight Newcastle players walk into that Man United team without a debate. So that shows you how big this job is for Radcliffe, Ten Hag, Man United, to get Man United anywhere near the likes of City. They're miles ahead. Don, what's the percentage chance that Luton might pull off a great escape? Oh, it's every chance. I mean, off the top of my head, what are they, a point or two away from Everton, I think? Uh, they're in good form. I, I, I think... I think at home, I think they can they can challenge anyone. We've seen that against Arsenal. We've seen that against City. We've seen it against Liverpool when they should have beat them and got a draw. I think they can be optimistic. I think Mick Harford said at the start of the season, he said, we're going to do it our way. He said, we're not going to try and play pretty football. The league table tells you they've got a chance. Um, I would say, I mean, Brentford are in free fall. I think they're six wins on the spin in terms of defeats, I think. Uh, I think from Forest upwards, they'll be fine. So I think you're looking from Brentford downwards. Uh, so they can do it, but I'd give them a 50-50 chance between them and Everton. Or a 60-40 chance against. I think Everton might just have the edge on them. Um, but they'll keep fighting. They'll do it their way. They'll launch it. They'll try and play when they can. Ross Barkley's in good form. Townsend's in good form. They've got players who have come through the, the divisions that don't mind mixing it up and going along and, and battling for second ball. So, yeah, I'd give them a chance. Shouldn't have got it. That was a foul on Trafford, though, wasn't it? In that yes, game. it was. Yeah. You shouldn't have got a point, yeah. but they got it. But listen, if Big Mick Harford says they're staying up, they're staying up. Right. <laughs> Big, Big Mick said they're staying up. <laughs> Who am I to argue? But uh, I think from Palace downwards there, I think above Palace are fine. Fulham, I think it is. I think anywhere from Crystal Palace, who I think will be okay just about. I think the rest of them, they're in the, they're in the hot seat for sure. All right, let me bring this one back into here. Will Timo Werner's signing end up being a smart piece of business after today's display? What did you make of Timo Werner? <clears throat> well, the truth is that Timo Werner has not been playing, has not been playing with Leipzig, and it was supposed to be his return to Germany that was going to free Timo Werner to be the player that he had been prior to going to Chelsea. Well, that return happened, and the results were not quite what he was expecting or Leipzig was expecting. That's why, honestly, this is for Spurs, a free hit, if you will. If you get anything out of Timo Werner, yeah, it ends up being a good piece of business. If you don't, honestly, it, it doesn't hurt you all that much. And in terms of the profile of the player, it's a guy that, yes, that can run up and down, that does have change of pace, and he does match some of the things that Postecoglou wants to do. So from Spurs' perspective, anything that you get out of Timo Werner is a plus. Okay. 13-0. Yeah, nice. Behind us, Packers beating the Cowboys. Make that 14. All right, 14 <laughs> goal kick. The, uh, the team of Werner gave them really good width today, but at the end of the day, he's going to have to give them end product, which he, which he really struggled at Chelsea. Uh, and maybe it is just lack of games and stuff, but he's going to have to, when he gets in the good positions that Tottenham got him into today, hopefully when he's sharp enough, he'll give them that he'll give them that end product. Otherwise, he'll be on the bench. When Kulisevsky comes back, they might shift Brennan Johnson to the other side. So there's going to be a competition for places. And like staying with Spurs then, Don, if Spurs stay patient with Ange and back him in the summer, do any of you guys think they could seriously challenge for the title next season? No? No. No. Because City are too good. I mean, just going back to Timo Werner, I mean, it was a crazy stat knocking around after the game. I think he played 80 minutes and he got one assist. Anthony's played about a million games for Man United, zero assists. Uh, I just don't think they've, they're not ready, Kay, because as I said before, City are too good. They've spent all the money on quality. 
City, I, I think you, got, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think before financial fair play come in, they, they were allowed to spend a lot of money and they bought all the quality in. Now, obviously, everything's been tightened up over the last few years. So there's going to be a restriction. I think, as Craig mentioned before, Everton again investigated tomorrow along with Forest. I think Newcastle as well. Um, no, I think they're going in the right direction. I know a couple of Spurs fans and they accept they're going to get done 5-4 or 4-3 or 3-2, but they're going to be a good watch. They're going to be entertaining, I think. I've seen a stat today that's the 30, 33rd game in a row that Tottenham have scored in under Ange. So they're an entertaining side. Let them roll with it. They're a great side to watch. With title race, no chance. I think the manager believes if he gets players back, they can get in, in the shake-up. But I mean, the Man City thing, uh, whether they win the league this year or not, who knows? I think it's all going to be... The big question with Man City is, is you know, De Bruyne is getting a little bit older, but more important than one or two others, but more importantly, who's the incumbent when the manager leaves? Mm -hmm. Who's better in world football at the moment in coaching? Not Klopp. Klopp's a great coach. Nobody... And people will, you know, people shit watch this and go, oh, you get money, 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 money. Guardiola, money, he just gets money. No. United have had money. Chelsea have had a billion. It's not just money. People got to get this in their thick skulls. It's coaching as well. And also, in this period, and I was talking about this yesterday, is Phil Foden came through the ranks. Rico Lewis has come through. Cole Palmer came through. Okay, they shifted him on for 40 million or so. And Oscar Bob is a 16-year-old or whatever he was, Norwegian boy. It's not just Erling Haaland and Kevin De Bruyne. Their academy is working as well. But when, when Guardiola decides to take a break or whatever it is, will the next manager have the same effect that this guy has had? That's a, that's a big ask. But you could say the same about Liverpool. When he decides to go back to Germany, or wherever it is, will they find somebody that can bring that intensity and dynamism to a Liverpool side that these two managers have brought? And that, that's going to be the, that could be the big opening for somebody else to step in. I just don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah, a hard act to follow, Pep Guardiola. Maybe an impossible act to follow. Time will tell. Yeah. So All a bit right. like going in to, call, to, to coach, is it Michigan? Uh, uh, Alabama. I can't get anything right. Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> yes, Nick Saban retired. Nick Saban. Now, yeah. you don't want that job straight you off. You don't, but... That's, that's taking the Man United job after Fergie. Correct. Well, yes, exactly. Unless you're getting paid a lot of money. And which Kalen DeBoer, who, the guy who's taking over, is getting paid a lot. Hold on, Michigan did just win the national championship. Yes, right? they did. I knew there was something. Well, I, I, we got to Michigan eventually. Jim Harbaugh. Yes, you got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was looking at you, looking at me with that look. With that one, I, when you started mentioning Alabama, I just remembered you're going to play golf there, Sue. Uh. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, why is he going with this? I'll leave it to LA. He can talk the other football for us. Okay. All right, thank you so much for sending in your questions on the latest edition of Extra Time. We'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again.